You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 841 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. If you missed it from Tuesday, we had sort of a part one of two with Brennan Clean of Dime and Forbes and other places around the internet talking about the NBA draft. I would certainly encourage you to listen to that podcast before this one. And uh, just as a note here at the top, that was the same conversation that I chopped into, into two bits. So you'll hear uh, sort of us just continue talking on this second podcast but there are definitely a transition in terms of what we're actually talking about. The first podcast was about the guys who we haven't talked about enough, frankly, on this podcast, those mid to late first round talents, guys that are not really in the Hawks range, etc. And you'll hear us talk about all that stuff on the, on the previous podcast. But on this edition, we, we, put, we move to the top of the board, first with the very, very top with regard to the number one overall pick in this class, and then transitioning from there into a couple of the options that, of course, the Hawks are widely linked to at number six overall. And uh, thank you as always for listening to the podcast. I just want to tell you that right now. Also, uh, please subscribe to the show if you've not already done, done that. It's, it's been great to hear people that have already jumped on board with us on a regular basis. I know it's sort of this weird in-between time right now with the finals over and the draft still a month away, but it's a great time to get to sort of jump on with us. Uh, subscribe now, get the podcast delivered to you immediately when it drops. That's always very nice as well as... um. I wanted to plug the fact that we've had plenty of guests on already about the NBA draft in advance of this. You know, we had Jackson Frank and Spencer Perlman and Zach Hood and Ben Pfeiffer and Sam Vecini's been on the podcast. All kinds of people that have been on the show as well as more to come in the coming days. But I wanted to tell you all that at the top here just as a warning that uh, this is part two. It's sort of a standalone in the same respect, but you'll hear us sort of talking casually. It's because we, we were still recording from the previous time. So that is one note there. Before we get back to the conversation with Brendan, a word from our sponsors on today. Today's podcast, and the first one is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past repeatedly how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like lemon almond cheesecake, a personal favorite of mine, cookies and cream, and also caramel brownie. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it's important to point out that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein protein and high fiber and built bar is even great for people on the keto diet go to builtbar.com right now use the promo code locked on when you do that you'll get 20 percent off on your next order with built bar one more time that's builtbar.com promo code locked on for 20 percent off your next order check it all out at builtbar.com Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at Roman. And talking about erectile dysfunction is not always easy. Usually just men just brush it off or blame themselves, saving things like that lost their mojo or even avoiding it altogether by blaming work or a long day. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you'll get a free online evaluation and ongoing care, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And if medication ends up being appropriate for you, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and very, very simple. Getting started is also simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA to complete the online visit with Roman. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today, and if you're approved, you'll get $15 off on your first order of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
And now part two of my NBA draft conversation with Brennan Clean. Do you have a consensus number one? Do you have a tier of the, uh, that's at the top for you? This is another situ- another question that has answers all over the place. I know from Hawks fans alone, and this is, of course, the Hawks podcast, uh, there are many differing opinions on all the top guys from Edwards to Ball to Wiseman to other guys even potentially. Do you have a number one that's clear for you? Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, Lamelo for me. Um, but I I wouldn't say he's a standalone top choice for me. Um, I don't. I, I haven't even honestly. I know that's like the entire point of covering the draft is to be able to say who your favorite player is in it. <laughs> but it's so it's so scattershot that I've mostly just been focusing on do I like X player more or less than I think. NBA teams do, you know, because I I think Lamelo's the guy that I feel like has the best chance to be a superstar in this draft, and so that's why I like him. I, I don't think his floor is as as a skilled basketball player is actually as low as I think it can be fun to talk about it being. I think it's just you know kind of the the Lowell Suns thing we were talking about. I think there's an LOL the ball family thing here too, where. Yeah. His decision making is is a, a big problem. I think situation is going to be a huge part of whether he succeeds in the NBA or not. I don't think it's this unfixable, you know, scarlet letter that's just going to damn his career before it ever gets off the ground, like uh, certain people seem to talk about it as. So uh, he he's my top player, but I like I like a lot of the top guys enough to be okay with taking them there. Um, I would say, you know, I know you, re- you referenced draft Twitter quite a bit already. I think the the Devin Vassell thing that a lot of those folks are on is totally accurate. I don't know why I'm looking at ESPN's board and, and he's 16th. That, yeah, that, I that have, makes I have no made sense fun, to I have me. made plenty of fun of that as well. That particular ranking is one that is uh, the, the, two, the two guys that I've seen that have been ranked in a way that makes me laugh at the top. Um, in a way that's too low, I mean, are, are Vassell, that one in particular for Vassell outside the lottery. And uh, I've seen Killian Hayes go like 15th in mock drafts. And th- those, mm-hmm. two, those two things uh, just buckle my mind, honestly. Exactly. So, yeah, Killian's another guy I really like. So I would say, you know, those three and Anthony Edwards are probably some some sort of tier at the top for me. Um, I haven't been as vigilant about putting together like a board like that this year. So uh, but, yeah, I probably have ball number one with a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, so and that's he's my number one guy as well. Not you know leaps and bounds, but he's uh, he's number one for me and has been for quite some time. Uh, the natural question, and I promise we're gonna get to hawk stuff in a second. But uh, the natural question, because uh, you cover the league as well as I do, Minnesota, what are they what are they, what are they supposed to do at number one? I mean, this is a question I have to ask everyone that comes on the podcast because they're obviously incredibly invested in D'Angelo Russell in a way that I would not want to be, but they are already, and they have this new regime and all that stuff. Um, I, I, this is sort of a proxy for the you know best fit versus best available in some ways, but um, do you just take your number one guy and ball there, or is it uh, too treacherous for you to invest? And would you be taking calls? Because I, I mean, I would. I I've said forever I would take calls on any of the top picks yeah. in this draft. Um, but if if I told you that you couldn't and you had to make a pick, would it would it still be ball for, for Minnesota for you? I probably would go Edwards for them, uh, just because I don't think the margins that wide. I think that's kind of the rumor right right after the lottery was that they like him. And I don't I don't fault them for that. I don't think any team's gutsy enough to take a Devin Vassell number one. Uh, you know, maybe the Warriors would have, but I don't think that the the Wolves are in a position to to sell that to their fan base and 
and to the rest of the league. So I probably would go Anthony Edwards there just because you can kind of see it working a little bit better. But you're in a you're really in a bad spot and not just because of the, you know, relative strengths and weaknesses of D'Angelo Russell, but because you're you're putting together a team that that has real decision making problems on the floor. Um I defensively and offensively, you're really pigeonholing yourself there because I think Edwards and Ball, that's the knock on both guys. And, you know, plenty of franchises can afford to do that. I don't know if Minnesota is one of them. And I can't talk about the Wolves without just I've been in in coaching like uh, just focus mode recently because that's kind of the news of the NBA right now outside the finals. And I don't know what they're doing there. And I don't think you can trust any any young guy in a, in a weak draft like this to put him in that infrastructure because it's kind of a non-existent infrastructure. Uh, and that's that would be where I would be most concerned if I was Minnesota. And probably part of the reason that I, like you said, would would totally consider uh, dropping down in this draft and, and getting a guy who you feel like you can integrate a little more easily. Yeah, I think both of the top two picks should be for sale, and they probably are to some degree, because the Warriors are the team that everyone assumes is taking calls, and they're going to take calls, and they don't have to trade the pick, but they're the only team in win-now mode that is picking even close to that high, so anytime you're in win-now mode and and your stars are in their 30s now, um, you you may not want to wait forever on a rookie, so they're a very, very natural team to trade, and Minnesota just fits stuff, like, 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 like we both just said, I mean... For whatever reason, uh, they're invested in Russell. I guess it's you know Towns likes Russell and all that stuff, but it's it's hard to build with those guys, especially. And then, um, unfortunately for Minnesota, who won the lottery, it's still it's still a good thing to win the lottery. But when the top two guys that are available um, do not fit great with you, it's not a great time to win the lottery if you are the Wolves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty interesting there. Uh, what it, I, I've heard that it's it's going to be a bad year to try to trade down too i mean it, um, it should, it's such it should an be, obvious frankly. thing yeah, yeah i mean everybody's going to be trying to do it i, I agree I, I would have said the same thing last year and i'll just make this point that i've made before it only takes one like last year i i came on the sh- on my show and pretty much every day for three months said trade down not up and then the team that i cover traded up and <laughs> they and were gave the one <laughs> and gave, gave up a ton of assets to trade up for a role player which is not a good process in general um and i like DeAndre hunter i've always said that but uh, the process was not uh, was not great there in my opinion so yeah. it, it it only takes one and and i do think that particularly in the case of ball and i think that's probably why at least part of the reason why you have already seen and will probably hear some buzz about the wolves liking lamella ball is because he is the guy that a team like the Knicks might want to trade up for, or the team like the Pistons might want to go all in for. Um, not that they will, but if you're going to trade up in this class, he, he for me, is the guy you do it for. Um, if, if you're a team that does not have a point guard already, he does. he's the big swing. It's definitely a risk, but he's the big swing guy. So, I don't know, build your market. Same thing with the Warriors who've been tied to like basically everyone at this point in time. That's smart GM leaking to be tied to everyone and that way hopefully somebody overpays and jumps up and takes their guy in front of you or trades up to you so i don't know there's so much uncertainty it's very very weird last year we last year we we had no uncertainty at all at the top and this year because like everyone knew pretty soon very fitting for this year for the draft to also be uncertain it's just kind of the slogan so of 2020 so it's fitting yeah last year within like a week or less of the lottery everyone knew the draft started at three basically like there was no yeah. drama whatsoever with the order or the players this year uh you could almost say four because rj was yeah know, it was pretty sure sh- yeah. we were all pretty sure about rj and the knicks too like there was a little bit of a leak at one point about you know maybe maybe them trading it if they stood put if they stood pat they were taking him all the way and mm-hmm. that was very out there um there was some buzz about them trading it which would have made some sense for them anyway uh yeah a lot of uncertainty this time around 
Okay, let's get to the let's get to the Hawks real quickly before uh, before I get you out of here. Eventually, uh, it sounds like you are very high on Devin Vassell. So broadly speaking, uh, at number six overall, if he is available and you are the Hawks, it sounds like that might be where you would lean. I'm guessing now from from your previous statements, but uh, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think that that group of guys I would include like uh, Isaac Okoro in there and 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 Yaka Kongwu. Um, as far as I just trust that they're all going to be pretty good and get better. Um, you know, they're very different players, each of those three, but I think that range of the draft is where I start to get pretty excited. So I think, you know, if I'm Atlanta, I'm feeling pretty good that I can let the, the, the dominoes fall ahead of me and pick up the pieces. I think the Warriors really like Vassell. I think they're a team that could do that. Uh, they, they, probably trust themselves and their reputation enough to, to do a quote unquote reach like Vassell would kind of be thought of as. Um, so, you know, and, and if they don't do it, I think he probably could get there. And uh, I just, I like that type of guy in a situation like this, you know, I just think um, kind of like we were saying with Bain, I know he's only a sophomore, but I'm kind of, you know, at a certain point with, you know, I think he's a pretty strong team defender, even though his, steals and blocks don't necessarily pop uh the, the percentages are good but the, the raw numbers don't necessarily pop and i think he showed he, he was about as steady a three-point shooter as you could possibly be um i i i think that guy's perfect for anyone but i think he's especially a pretty strong fit for what atlanta obviously has shown that they want to do yeah i've always liked him as well i i lean a little bit okoro in a vacuum while also acknowledging that vassell is just easier to fit in pretty much anywhere. Like you kind of know what you're getting a little bit more with Vassell. Um, and that's been a, a, as you probably are not surprised, it's been a huge talking point um, ever since the Hawks landed at number six post lottery is those two guys against each other, a core over cell. Do you think they would, uh, I don't, you, you know, you know better than me. Like, are they a, a team that would be kind of willing to take on the project of a It doesn't necessarily feel like that's, I guess they did it with reddish, but it doesn't feel like that's kind of their, been their MO. Yeah, since, uh, since Schlenk took over, they do. Uh, Schlenk is very open about liking dribble pass shoot guys. Um, that's a phrase that he uses quite a bit. And Okoro only has two of those things at this moment. So <laughs> sure. that that is he, he. I would say this: he he would be the first guy that Travis Schlenk has ever drafted on the perimeter that has a major shooting question. Um, so that's just for what it's worth. It doesn't, that doesn't mean they won't take him. In fact, early on there was some real buzz that they liked him a lot. Um, and now with the with so much uncertainty and no no availabilities and not a lot of contact, um, leaks are hard to come by these days. Yeah. But um, I think it was even on my podcast, if I recall correctly, Sam Bassini was on and said that he had heard that they liked Okoro. So I've heard that as well. It's been a while since that's like sort of died down and they've been tied to other guys as well. But yeah, it wouldn't blow me away. Uh, Schlenk trusts his evaluation. He's a very confident scout in himself and his uh, and his eval and his eval. So um, if they like him, they like him. But he would be a little bit of a break of the norm to your to your point there because of yeah. the shooting. And I, I think that's you know everyone. This is not breaking news. Everyone acknowledges that's his swing skill in some ways is his jump shot because he's, sure. he's he's good at a lot of different things. But I don't know. Do you? Oh, I've asked this question to basically everyone, but I'll ask it ask it ask it to you as well. Do you think he can be a good NBA player without without the jump shot? That that's like the biggest question that I ask everyone because we it's hard to predict whether you can fix the guy's jump shot. So assume sure. for assume for right now for this one answer that he is not going to be able to shoot at anything better than a below average level. Do you still like him as a top ten guy with a shaky 
at best jump shot. I do. I really like him. I, I think I think you can trust him to be impactful in different ways, even if that jump shot doesn't come around. I think I hate the kind of draft analysis where people take this kind of one thing about a player and then build it out. But I'll do that right now. Um, <laughs> you got it. I mean, this one, this one is so honestly, I mean, I'm with you to a certain extent, but this one in the modern NBA, if you have a six, five, six, six wing forward and his big question is jump shot. Like it really, you have to at least talk about what, what's going to happen or what's going to yeah. work. If it, if it doesn't, it's just such a glaring one. I'm with you. Like I, I don't, I try not to overanalyze one thing, but when you're when your one thing is 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 your shot and your perimeter player, it it's one you have to kind of circle. Yeah, no, but actually mended on the other side, which is there are a few very specific things about him that I do like that yeah. make it that make up for it, which is uh I think I, I really, really highly value functional strength. Like if you can like think about Drew Holiday or players like that where they make it work defensively because they're just brick walls of of basketball players. I think he has that potential uh and i think he competes hard enough to make that happen um and i think like the the very specific thing i was going to say is uh, i i've covered mikhail bridges now for two years coro is has the same thing that, that bridges has of being so uh kind of seeing the games at such a high level off the ball that when they cut they can they can make a cut through an opening, catch the ball off that cut, and then repass it to somebody else, and create another open shot for their teammate. Uh, I don't, I, you know, in in some cases, like it maybe is because they're kind of playing like a chicken with their head cut off. I think Lou Dort, another guy who I already brought up in this podcast, does similar things, um, <laughs> and they don't trust their offense. I think is sometimes part of that, but uh, the playmaking for him, I think, is better than the assist total show, and so. You know, with with the defense, the switchability there, and the the ability to play make, and his field goal percentage was high, even though he couldn't make a three at all, and he's not a great free throw shooter. He was pretty efficient when he did get the ball, good transition score, all that. So I think he can find a way to put points up, make the defense honest with his off ball uh, movement and and playmaking, and then I mean, I, I don't think you really have to worry too much about the defense, especially as he just kind of continues to learn the game. Oh yeah, I, I strongly agree there. Um, you mentioned a Kong earlier. I want to ask you about him too because you know the league well. You know, you know the Hawks have invested now in Capella. They have John Collins. They have they have they have some front court options. Um, where do you sort of stand on like drafting a guy like that that may not have a clear role as a rookie? Um, because I think if the Hawks drafted a Kongwu, he might have a small small role because he would be a lottery pick and they want to give him some minutes. But there's no way that he would have a prominent role on the 20, 2021 Hawks unless there was an injury. Um, but at the same time, he might be the guy when they pick. There's a very good chance that he's my top rated guy on my big board when they pick um, uh-huh. because of uh, at least on my uh, Hawk, non Hawk specific big board. So sure. do you, would you be opposed to taking a guy like that? Like what do you make of that fit? If you woke up the day after the draft and the Hawks drafted to Kongwu, what would you make of that? So I kind of think of that as similar to what Indiana did, right? It, last year with with uh, Goja, and yeah. they took a guy who not only didn't have a clear role, he ended up playing a little bit because Sabonis was out for the bubble, but what I liked, what, what I was okay with, I probably wouldn't have made that pick myself because I don't, they kind of operated as if they were like the 2012 Spurs and just had like 10 guys deep that they could count on to win a championship when I think they should have shot a little higher there, but what I was okay with it about is uh, he was like those other two guys. And you can imagine in that system that he could succeed 
uh, over time when he did take over. It wasn't, let's draft a completely different sort of player who doesn't make sense and it doesn't have a a relevant path to a, a role. So that would be how I would feel about Atlanta doing that is we know this type of guy can work with, with Trey, especially, you know, and I think there's evidence that having players like that with your, I like the term, uh, the heliocentrism that Seth Partnow wrote about. I don't know if you read that article, yeah. but these these guys who kind of do everything for you, Trey's already there and is probably going to stay there. Um, I like having a, a dive man like a Kongwu, like Collins, like Capella, like Dwight Powell for Houston or for uh, Dallas. So I think because you know he works with your star player and with the rest of your roster, I think I would be okay with it because you don't know what the future holds for Collins and Capella. So, uh, and that decision time's coming even sooner than it did for Indiana. Yeah, I think the only I, I, I know I know you know this before anybody's yelling at their at their computer screen. It's a little bit different at six than eighteen wherever where Gogo went. And for I get, sure, I get for that. sure, that's a good point. I get that, but that that was but they also, also have so many young guys. It's yeah. kind of like you have to start juggling it at some point, right? And that was also a, a better draft last not not a great draft, but a better draft than this one. And at eighteen, like he fell so far that it was like I had him in my top ten coming in if you if you can get get a, get a guy in the top, in, in your top 10 or 11 at 18 you just got to kind of do it at best player available at some point i don't know i would certainly not i would not pan the hawks taking a kongwu i like a kongwu a lot he's in my top 5 overall but that's one where there's um some divisive opinions locally as you might imagine just because um if you just trade a real asset for capella who's under contract for 3 more years and you have collins and you tra- and you tra- and you draft a combo big like it's not going to be a, a natural sell to fans probably but i get it sure. i mean sure but i think you're right because I, I i don't know like i said by the time the draft rolls around i will have more of a concrete board but i'm i probably lean toward you where i i might see him by the time the hawks pick as the best player available and so then you start to get into similar to what the the hawks did or with, with what the pacers did that he might just be good enough that it's worth it. You know, uh, yeah. maybe he's better than, than John Collins, like pretty early on. And then, you know, your decisions are made for you there. Yeah. I'd be surprised by that <laughs> but, <laughs> Me too, but you know, it's like if your choice is that or a guy you like less, maybe you just go for it. Yeah. I mean, my, my overall point about this is, uh, you know, put yourself in Schlenk shoes. And if he thinks that a Kongwu is clearly the best player available, then you just got to take him. It's just kind of the same thing with Wiseman, who I'm not going to spend time on now, but if for some reason he was available at six and Schlenk thought he was by far the best player available, um, I probably wouldn't share that evaluation, but I would at least be able to defend the selection, even though it's not a great fit. He's a pure center and all that stuff. Um, I think if you are at six or any, really anywhere in the draft, if you have a tier break between a guy, between one guy and the rest of your guys, you probably should just take the guy that you think is the best, like by well, far. Yeah, well, th- this is the question, though. Like, Do you think... like? So we're talking about sort of the the burying of a player. I, do, would you see like Vassell or Okoro playing a big role right away? Because I kind of think they would. They might have a little bit more of an opportunity, but not any sort of. They're not going to be starting for you. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you in in one way, in that um, I've said repeatedly, even if this is before the lottery, I said there was no one in this draft. Even if the Hawks won the lottery, there was not a single player in this draft that I personally would start on the, on next year's Hawks, even before free agency or anything. Yeah, because there was yeah. nobody on that, nobody available in this class that, as a rookie, is better than what you already have. Now, um, on the wing, though, 
there are just more ways to play guys. It's just one of those things where if you draft Vassell or you draft Okoro, you can play small, you can play DeAndre Hunter at the four, you can play John Collins at the five. You, you just can't have too many wings. That's a, it's, a, it's a saying that is out there, but it's because it makes sense. And Whereas you can't play a Kongwu, Capella, and Collins. That's together. what I mean. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. just practically speaking, um, if you assume no injuries, Capella is going to play 28 to 32 minutes a game. You're going to give Collins another six to eight, maybe 10 at center. Like, that's just you know, at a certain point, there aren't minutes to go around that center where if you draft a wing and this, this is not a huge concern for me because, you know, rookies, I get in trouble because fans don't agree with me always, but you know, trying to evaluate a rookie or, you know, worrying about starting lineups between rookies and playing time is not really your concern, especially on, especially on a team that's yes, they're trying to be better next year, but they're still in, they're still in rebuilding mode. They're going to be better next year, I'm sure. But I just wouldn't worry too much about year one necessarily, but it'll be a talking point for sure. And, and I think it's there's the Mobamba a thing. It's 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 Orlando picking Mobamba. Is yeah, kind of. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, kind of for sure because they had just, you know, they're, you're paying Vucevic too and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough sell. But uh, yeah, going back to the point, I, I think it's a lot easier to give a core over sell, you know, sixteen to twenty minutes a game as a rookie than it is to give a big man those minutes um, on, totally this, on this team right now. Yeah. So anyway, that's not that's not the only reason why I would do it. I think just wings are more valuable in a vacuum. But if you like the big guy better, uh, considerably better, then you probably got to go with that guy. Um, I want to make sure I, I ask you about a couple more guys real quickly about your uh, overall and Hawks before I let you get out of here. Um, one guy is Tyrese Halliburton, who has been linked pretty heavily to the Hawks by the Intel people. Um, I've heard a little bit of that, not, not as much as some, um, but he's been mocked to them by ESPN and I think at the athletic at least once each. Um, and a, a guy who in some ways makes some sense in Atlanta, but also I've kind of said that he would not be my choice at six. I wouldn't like absolutely hate it, but not, he, he's a little bit lower than that for me on my big board. How do you, uh, sort of stack up on Halliburton? Because he's a, he's a very weird player, not, not in a bad way necessarily, but a, a, definitely a weird player. Kind of similar to what you were saying about Sadiq Bay, I liked, this, or you know, any punk rock fan ever. I I liked him last year. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I I was like, oh, this kid is really interesting because I I just was I loved watching that group last year. They had uh, you know um, the Lakers player that I can never oh Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, and so yeah, I thought he was really interesting last year. The fact that he could. Uh, see the floor so well as a passer as like an off ball player was really fascinating. Obviously I know, you know, we all know now that he took over the the reins of the offense this year. And so it's a little bit of a different evaluation, but I think he handled that capably on a pretty bad team. So I think, you know, uh, like the ceiling and the floor, there might not be much of a distance between those two things. So I think he kind of is what he is, as boring as that sounds. I, I really like him as a defensive player. I think there's a lot of systems where he could come in and make a real impact there. I like his off-ball defense. I think he's good enough with his length and mobility on the ball to be pretty effective. Uh, and then, yeah, as a playmaker, like I, I he's not Lonzo, but I think thinking about that mold of a player is probably where people should be. And, you know, if he's like a half of what Lonzo is or half of what Lonzo's peak could be, something like that, uh, I'm pretty fascinated by that, but yeah, I just think I have a hard time seeing him be being a, a above level, uh, above average level starter or or like ever vying for an All Star team. So that that just kind of makes me not that excited about him. I, he's a guy that I've had to pay attention to too because he's 
kind of in that range where he could fall to 10 with yeah. his sons. I'm just not thrilled about him. I, I don't know. I, maybe that's, maybe that's harsh. Cause no, I do. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of with you. <laughs> it's uh yeah. it's weird because he, he does a lot of things that I like. His passing is fun. His, I think I trust his shot. It's kind of weird looking, but it goes in. I think I, I kind of buy that. Sure. His off ball defense is good and all that stuff. I, I just agree with you that I don't think that it's very likely that he becomes a high end starter in the NBA. I think he's going to be an NBA player, but I think he's going to be a pretty much a pure supporting piece. The notion that he's a point guard just is not true. Uh, it's just not. He can't. He can't beat anybody off the dribble. He can't really handle the ball very well. Um, he doesn't really play great on ball defense necessarily. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I'm not trying to pick on because I've always liked him too. But it gets uncomfortable for me when I see him like mocked in the top six to eight. Like especially team. I will say this about him in Atlanta. It's easier to see it a little bit because he doesn't have to handle the ball and all that. Like it's a little bit easier for him to fill a role with the Hawks. I think it's too high to take take that role at number six. But yeah. when I, when I see him projected to the Knicks at number eight, I just like recoil. It's like that guy cannot be your savior at point guard. That's not that's not going to work. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, yeah. it's just not it's not gonna. I mean, and that's I'm not trying to pick on Halliburton. It's not, it's not that's not that's not what he is. He's not a guy who's gonna go out there and be your lead ball handler and lead creator. It's just not that's not his mold. It's a real. It's weird how unathletic this lottery is. Yeah, he like, he is very not about, <laughs> Every guy we talk about, we say that like, oh, you know, not not really the athlete you'd want at that. Spot yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple. Uh, obviously, you know, Okoro is a, a really good athlete. Edwards, Ed, Edwards is a good athlete. Uh, Wiseman's a really good athlete at center. Um, Akongwu is pretty athletic. But yeah, there are certainly a bunch of guys who are not hyper athletes uh denny's a decent athlete but i don't think he's great by any means uh Vassell's same thing sort of just a decent athlete um obi's a good athlete but not 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 uh side to side <laughs> exactly yeah he's a he's a unique type of athlete he can he's a good he's a good vertical side. athlete but not a not not a super uh fluid guy um so circling back here it sounds like you would lean wing if you were the, if you were a uh, a hawks decision maker you would probably go to to the akoro Vassell group um is that does that sound right? And if not, I mean, I guess tell me, come tell me your perfect world scenario. It's like is Killian Hayes on the board for you if you're the Hawks? Like, wh- where do you sort of land if uh, in a perfect world if Atlanta gets the guy that they could sh- possibly choose at six? I would say, uh, yeah. I mean, it is cliche at this point because we've t- been talking about the Warriors for five years, but it's true. Like the wing thing is, it's not changing anytime soon. The Lakers like don't have a point guard really. You know what I mean? Like. The, the Nuggets kind of didn't have a point guard. The Clippers don't really have a point guard. This is not a fluke. So I'm not saying that that means anything about Trey Young, but I'm saying you should always be looking to compete with those types of rosters. And I think the best way to do that is to take a wing. So I think the best case scenario is the Hawks are able to kind of have their pick of, you know, having Vassell and Okoro both on the board there and, and picking the one that they prefer. I, I, I just think uh, with the way they've been building a roster, that seems like the direction that they've, kind of chosen obviously like i think killing Hayes's ceiling is pretty high i like him as a player i really would be excited for the suns if if he got to 10 there because i think that's that would just be a cool fit to see what they could do with him uh and be cool to watch him in that system with devin booker but you know i I don't necessarily feel the same way about about atlanta so i would say to me it's it's just getting one of those wings and and getting more depth there you can never have too much yeah, I, I, I generally agree. I would say this. Uh, the Suns have been a very popular fake trade partner for Hawks people. Okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure you're not surprised oh, by this. Just, uh, yeah, Uber is, Uber is a name that's out there because if the Suns wanted to dump some salary to make some flexibility. Not unlikely. 
the Hawks would be, I think, maybe open to that. I'm not reporting that by any means, but it, it makes some sense. The Hawks have a ton of cap space. He's a young guy who's still pretty talented. Um, that's one iteration. And also, if the, you know, to, you kind of alluded to, which reminded me, if the Suns were, for instance, in love with someone like Killian Hayes, maybe they'd want to come up and grab him at six and go. And you know, the Hawks might be open to moving down to ten. Um, but because you're a Suns, a Suns observer, I will say, I, I feel like I, I should, I should have brought that up because, I mean, is there a guy that um, put your, put your Suns hat on? Is there someone that you would trade up for in this class? Because I am, I know I am generally anti trade up, but uh, that's that's also a Hawks prism. So you, you you agree that it's not the greatest idea in the world? But I don't like trading up but i would i i think hayes is probably the guy call it in call it in then uh hayes uh suns trade up to six for hayes and the hawks go down to 10 for whatever else no i'm, I'm kidding but uh i'm also i'm, I'm also okay. not kidding but i uh i sort of get it and i would honestly i've said this before but i would consider hayes for the hawks I, it's not a great fit necessarily but i have number three on my board like if that guy's available at six and the fit is like anything but disastrous I think you have to consider it. And I've said that in the last last few weeks and months that I would, I definitely would not cross Killian Hayes off my board if I'm the Hawks. I would consider no. it. No, I mean, he, he has a chance to be a really special player. So, you know, it would be kind of dumb to, to not give that guy a look. Yep. Um, well, Brent, thanks for giving me all the time, man. We've uh, been talking for quite some time over the course of two shows as people listen to this, but uh, one, one long conversation. Uh, please plug yourself. You are a man who is all over the internet. Uh, Dime, Similar to yourself, yeah. Dime, SB Nation, Forbes. What, what, what are, like, give, me, give me the full list and also tell people where they can find your uh, your work in general and your Twitter account and all that stuff. Yeah, at BrendanClean14 on Twitter. Uh, I'll probably be doing plenty more draft stuff as we move along. But like Brad said, I cover the league as a whole. So yeah, Dime Magazine, uh, Forbes, SB Nation, Bright Side of the Sun, um, anywhere that I can write about basketball and sports, I, I tend to do that. So yeah, uh, at BrendanClean14 on Twitter for sure. I'll, I'll put all my work there. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Please follow Brendan. Please, please, please go ahead and do that. Uh, we worked, like I said before, we, we work together on occasion. We do things together for uh, for Dime and Uprock. So uh, you will see us cross paths along the way. But uh, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the show, and we'll see you next time.